the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show and need some financial planning help, just shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com or go to chadburton.com. You can find out about me and my whole team. And I had a great email question the other day. There was a lot to it, but a lot of it had to do with um, somebody looking for an advisor. Do you understand the uh, order of stock market return risks? It was a lot about the question. And so it prompted me to kind of pull out of my uh, show archive an update the six tests to determine retirement readiness and happiness. So you got to update that blog. But this was first posted on, on our old site back in 2017. And so I wanted to break this out because it's so important when it comes to retirement planning to be able to test your retirement plan, get a success rate, things like that, and then have a plan for good markets and bad markets. So there's a lot to this. Now, one of the toughest conversations our planners have when it comes to people wanting to pull the trigger on retirement because this this person or this couple has reached this goal of a of a dollar amount. Let's say it's 1 million or 2 million dollar in their in their portfolio. And so they've reached this goal that they've always had that they've always been working towards like I'm going to retire when I get 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, whatever and they hit this number but they didn't do any planning beyond saving for this magic number. Um, and so one of the tough conversations that we have to have is because they didn't do any planning for their real expenses in retirement, taxes, unexpected healthcare costs, willingness to help too much with their kids' education, or even financially enabling other loved ones that are financial disasters in their life. Because there's a lot of people that do that. We've all known one. Well, we have to tell them that they're not done sometimes. Like, yeah, you've got a lot of money, but based on your expenses your current assets cannot support 35 years of retirement of these existing expenses that you have. And you're not ready to retire. And we have to have those conversations quite often. Now, you're not going to have this conversation with somebody that sells investment products. If you go to what somebody calls themselves a financial advisor and they work on commission where they sell annuities or they get paid a commission to roll your 401k into an IRA and make a three to 5% upfront commission, they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear. A fee-only, fiduciary, certified financial planner, they're going to have the tough conversations with you. They're going to tell you whether or not they're, that you're ready for retirement and should be able to prove it with math, with solid evidence, with solid spreadsheets, cash flow projections, things like that. And 
you know, there's a lot to this. Look, I mean, Risa was working with a couple in their early 50s. Their kids were about to go to college. They recently received inheritance and some of their stock options that they've been working at a, a smaller company finally came through. Company went public. They had a big payout. Uh, decent size amount of money after tax. But they had two life changes. But before they came in to do a financial plan, they also bought a much larger home two brand new cars. This larger home comes with much higher property taxes, HOA and maintenance costs. And while their inheritance and their liquidity event were pretty decent sized chunks of money, so were their expectations. They were already kind of tweaking their expenses to go way up based on this new lump sum of money versus saying, okay, where were we at before the inheritance? Were we on track to retire or not? Now, what is this inheritance and this stock option? What has it done for our plan? How has it changed our life? And, you know, they, they kind of took a couple of steps to purchase some items that probably were a little bit too big based on their overall net worth. And then they started assuming things like, hey, I'm not, they had, they have three kids and all of their kids had these UTMA accounts set up early on for these kids before 529 plans were around. And so there's a pretty decent chunk of money in each of one of these kids accounts. And the kids are going to get these accounts at age 21, no matter what. And so suddenly they're like, well, based on this inheritance and these stock options, we want to make sure that these kids just get that money and we're going to fund college directly out of our cash flow and our, our new investments that we receive from inheritance and stock options. And we still want to retire at 60. And after some planning, it took about two weeks to kind of get everything dialed in. We had to say it's not possible. Based on what I'm seeing here, based on making sure that if you retire, you have a very high success rate of making it through good markets, bad markets, good economies, bad economies, kind of same thing, right? If you want to be able to actually retire with a high success rate and leave some of that money for your kids to spend on what they really want, you got to be willing. If you want to, you're not going to be able to retire at 60 and not have them use any of that money. But what is possible is you could retire at 65 and only use half of that money to pay for their college and you cash flow the rest. And the ultimate number hasn't been decided yet. They don't know what exactly they want to do because they might switch and say, you know what, never mind. We want the kids to use all that money for college so we can retire at 62 or 63. It's, it's kind of a give and take. You got to figure out what is realistic before you start making promises and buying too many assets and things like that. It's all relative. How much money do you need? Well, it's relative to your expenses. 100% relative to your expenses. It's also relative to how aggressive or conservatively you invest. So how do you know that you're ready to retire besides just reaching a certain dollar amount? And that question that was emailed prompted me to go back down through this. And these are some process that we use here at EP Wealth and, and my advisors. We have, you know, directly under me plus in total of the company, there's like over 50 certified financial planners. And what I did is I pulled out the most six or seven most important tests for retirement readiness. It's kind of seven, but the first one is expenses. It's not really a test. You just have to know it. And I will tell you, though, that the final one that I'm going to talk about is really the most important. It's, it's will you be happy? Will you have a sense of purpose if you do retire? Because I can tell you in the last 10 years, my own personal financial plan has changed. I've been doing this since I was 19 years old, 26 years in the business. So I've seen all sorts of stages in life and gone through them myself with now a second kid going into college all sorts of things. And I've just made a situation where, you know what? I need to be able to 
travel some more with my kids while they're still willing to travel with me. Um, I, I'm, I don't care about working into my 60s and 70s. I saw my grandfather working to his 80s. I love what I do. I love this business. But I also know that I need to just kind of have a little bit more fun in life besides just the weekend. So making specific plans to, yeah, probably spend a little bit more money now. And I don't, I know what it's going to do to my retirement to put it off a little bit. That's okay. I also see that the things that I love to do in life, whether it's snowboarding, wake surfing, you know, hikes and things like that, I need to have my body in pretty good shape to do those things that I really, really love. So I'd rather do those things now versus wish I would have done them later in life. So what is your retirement going to be like? What is going to make you happy? What will give you a sense of purpose? How will you get out of bed every day? If you're working 60 hours a week, you've heard me say this a lot, but you're going to go from the world's most wanted per person wondering, you know, and your cell phone's constantly going off and you're feeling like you need to unplug and all of a sudden you're going to retire. You're going to go from where's he or where's she to, to who's he, who's she? That's what it's going to feel like. If you go mock whatever in your working career and then all of a sudden you just hit the brakes and you go into full retirement. That's very difficult for a lot of people. Not only do you have this loss of, of this this purpose. You know, every day you know how to get out of bed, you're going to go to work, you're going to do this job you're really good at, you're going to feed your portfolio to all of a sudden, well, I kind of slept in today. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do. Oh, maybe I should check my portfolio. The market's up, the market's down. And you start freaking out about your portfolio and watching CNBC and all those idiots on there making you freak out about every up move and every down move. And you get too worried about volatility instead of focusing on what's going to get you out of bed and what's going to make you happy. You got to have that purpose in life. And we can have time on radio, get more into it. If not, it'll be a little bit more in depth on the podcast, which you can find at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. There's links to iTunes and Stitcher, Spotify, all of that at chadburton.com. We're going to talk about these tests. And as I'll get into it's before you really test anything, you have to start with your expenses and know what those are all about in retirement and all the ins and outs. Talking about testing your retirement plan. How do you do that? How do you get us some sort of a success rate and deal with the idea of risks of inflation and lower interest rates and the order of stock market returns, good economies, bad economies? You can't do anything unless you have start with your expenses. So as most higher income earners are building their wealth, a lot of people don't track their expenses down to the dollar. I would say most of my clients don't. But they have an idea of what they spend annually on different categories in their household. If people are having budgetary issues, by all means, do very detailed tracking of your expenses and a you know cash in an envelope, Dave Ramsey style if you want to. But if you're really on the track to retirement, it's just an idea of what are you spending now and what will you spend likely in retirement? What's going to be here in retirement, what's going to go away? For example, a lot of your kids' costs will go away in retirement, but yet you might put in, leave in there some gifting and your grandkids eventually, you might be gifting to them every year. You might golf more, you might travel more, you want, might want to buy that RV, you might sell one Bay Area home and buy two cheaper homes in two different areas of the country. What are your expenses truly going to be? What's discretionary and what's non-discretionary? Non-discretionary means you have to have it. Things like food, electricity, things like that. So you also, the, this, the activities that you have to have in your life to get you out of bed, it, it goes into the final thing we'll talk about is just give you a purpose in life. What is going to make you happy? Travel more? Are you going to volunteer more? Teach? I don't know. What are those plans? What are those expenses? I've done whole shows too about what the costs of retirement are. 
when you turn 65, you get Medicare Part A for free, Medicare Part B you pay for. It's about 150 bucks a month. But what about Irma? You know what Irma is? She is not a nice person. No, it's not a person. Irma is when you make a lot of money, you actually pay more than your neighbor for the same coverage for Medicare Part B. And if you have high income or you have an event that creates a high income, you could be spending more like 400 and something a month for your Medicare Part B. So what are you as a person going to be paying? Higher your expenses, the bigger your portfolio, the higher you're likely going to pay for Medicare Part B and D as well. So just keep that in mind. And again, the average cost for each person in retirement, if they're paying for their Medicare Part B and their supplemental coverage and all that, Copays on their own is about 600 bucks a month. And that's growing with about 5% inflation. Most of your other expenses, you could probably assume about a 2.25% inflation. But you have to be aware of what your expenses are and what you want your retirement to be like. That's why you have to list them out. And the, most people haven't done that. Most people kind of say that, especially high income earners that are able to afford to save for retirement. They're, they get to the end of the month, they're like, oh, good, I have more money left over than what I started with my bank account. Where should I invest that? And that's a much better place to be than wondering what happened to the money and why you don't have enough to pay your rent. So you've got to get a detailed list of expenses at some point, at least 10 years prior to retirement, if not sooner, so that you can have some sort of a you know, benchmark to work from here. We can't do really any cash flow analysis, financial planning, letting you know whether or not you're ready for retirement unless you've done that. And so we can look at a list of, and most people spend a lot of their money on just individual credit cards. I've got pretty much two cards now that I spend everything on so I can get some cash back or some miles. And you can get some basic categories out of even the credit card companies, your Wells Fargo bank account. I don't care, whatever it may be. You can find those expenses. But these tests that I'm going to talk about, every single one of them assumes that you've done a good job in identifying what you're spending now and what goes away in retirement and what increases in retirement. And that you, you know, your, your financial advisor can talk more about the retirement expenses for healthcare, but you've got to do that other expenses on your own. It's silly to pay somebody else to do it. So test number one is what I call the linear cash flow model. And, you know, you can get some of this test number one done on a lot of free sites. There's a lot of online financial planning retirement tools. I've yet to find one free online that's worth anything. And the reason why is because none of them deal with taxes. You could have a ton of money, but if, if you've got a person that's got $3 million in a 401k that's never been taxed, it's a very different situation than a person that has $2 million in cash that's already been taxed and a, a million in a Roth that's tax-free forever. You see what I'm saying? And also, what is your stock portfolio? If you have a stocks or mutual funds outside of retirement accounts, there's a cost basis. Is that really low? Or you're going to pay a ton of capital gains in the future? Or is that really high? Where you're, you're good tax-wise. So be careful of those online tools. You never want to use free online tools to make a decision that's going to be you know, a 35-year decision. It's very difficult to pull the trigger and retire in your 50s and 60s and sometimes to 70s and then try to get a job again if you miscalculate it. Very difficult. Not a fun place to be. So on the linear cash flow model, the question is, is can your portfolio survive on a 5.5% rate of return with normal inflation assumptions until you're age 100? So if you have your portfolio and then you have a social, certain amount of social security, maybe you have some pension and some rental income, 
if your investments average 5.15%, which is a low rate of return, that's pretty, I'd be kind of disappointed over a long period of time with that rate of return, wouldn't you? But if it happens and your normal expense is inflated at at least 25 to 2.5% and your medical costs inflate at 5%, will you have enough money to last till age 100? That's the question. Will you have enough money to last until age 100? Now, you might not live that long. Maybe your spouse will though, right? So you have to figure this out. So you have your portfolio returning a certain amount. On your social security, I would really assume at the most a 1% increase in social security. Look, social security, the safest thing to do is look at your social security statement, program it in at age 70 with zero increase in cost of living. Zero. Because social security is going to change by 2034. It has to. Um, So you have to realize that. And even maybe if you have rental income, are you really increasing your rates? You should be increasing your rental rates by on average 2% a year. So that all has to go into a plan. But why am I using 5.15% rate of return when that sounds so low? Well, you want to be conservative when you're trying to say, how long is my money going to last? Let's say you have a very balanced portfolio. You've got 55% in stocks, 30% in bonds, 15% in like cash, CDs, things like that, right? And so pretty normal balanced allocation. Now stocks throughout history have averaged 10, 11%. And I am very confident in saying that over a 20, 30, 40 year period, they'll still average 10, 11%. Pretty confident in that. But let's use 8%. Let's use a little bit lower return because we've had a lot of stimulus, a lot of movement in the stock market. And we want to look at a more conservative situation. So let's use 8% on that 55% invested in stocks. And let's say interest rates go nowhere in this country. Let's say that the inflation fears that we all have right now go away and bonds only continue to pay about 2.5% or so. So you're 30%. Let's say that only earns 2% in bonds. And let's say the 15% that you have in CDs and cash, places like that only continues to earn around 1%. With all of that, that's a 5.15% rate of return. And I'll tell you why after the break that I use this number. And I've always used it, but I'll give you a, a very recent example of why I use this number coming back after the break. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Testing your retirement. I got to move along because we got several tests to go through. The first one is linear cash flow model. When I'm telling you, for your first test, assume a very conservative rate of return over your lifetime, 5.15% in your balance portfolio with some inflation in there. You want to make it simple because I said 2.25 or so in normal expenses, 5% on healthcare costs. You just use 3% inflation on all your expenses. But why do I use 5.15% in this scenario? If you look at a 10-year return from January 1st, 2007, because remember 2007, in October 2007, that was the market high before the Great Recession declined to nearly 50% in the stock market to March of 09. So if you look at a 10-year return from January 1st, 2007 to December 31st, 2017, which included that huge decline in the Great Recession, many balanced funds based on US stocks and bonds averaged around 5.5% from 2007 to 2017. 
And that was a really, really tough decade, guys. That was one of the worst we've seen. What if that, can, what if that happens two or three times in retirement? You, you're retired for 35 years. What if you get two of those in your retirement? So that's why you need to say, okay, if we have mediocre returns for my retirement, will I be okay? And you better be able to answer that question, yes. Otherwise, you might not be ready to retire. Now, many balance funds based on U.S. stocks and bonds average about 5.5% during that 10-year period. But if you look at any balanced 50-50 or 60-40 type of global allocation fund, um, that return was about 5%. And most money managers, most investment advisors have that international exposure. In fact, most are pretty positive on international exposure at this point going forward because that was a decade where international returns were really bad compared to previous decades, and that'll likely change. So that's why I I use that 5.15 or so rate of return. So if you make sure you've done a really good job on your expenses, and then you inflate all of those expenses at 3% in a cash flow projection, and you assume your portfolio earns 5.15%, no return, no increase on your social security, and see what it looks like. Will you have enough money to last till age 100? If not, you might want to delay retirement or cut your expenses or do a combination of the two. The next test that you have to do is testing your portfolio for major market corrections, which is also known as, get an idea of what your risk tolerance is. You know, as, as advisors, we have software, we have access to software that can look at your actual holdings, look at metrics such as correlation, standard deviation, things like that, and say, if you have this portfolio of a mix of large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets, bonds, whatever, if the S&P 500 has one of those traditional 20% corrections, which comes along with most recessions, what will your portfolio decline? A balanced portfolio shouldn't decline as much. But, and, and then what would it have looked like that the portfolio that you have now, maybe you weren't fully invested back in 2007, 2008, and 2009. What would it have looked like in a huge bear market correction? Because look, guys, we have typically every five to seven years, we have one of those 20% corrections. They, they're normal because every five to seven years, we go through a recession every seven to 10 years. They're kind of getting spread out a little bit longer But as they've gotten spread out, the recessions kind of become a little bit quicker, hit harder, and take a little longer to come back. So because of monetary issues and other things, it seems like we're not getting as many recessions as we used to, is what it feels like. But when they come, they hurt. How are you going to get through those? And how are you going to act when they do happen? What did you do in 2008 and 2009? Did you panic and sell everything? Or did you try to sell everything in your garage on eBay to try to buy more stocks? See what I mean? How did you act? How are you acting now when there's a speculation and SPACs and crypto and IPOs and, and the COVID plays? Are you acting on greed and fear of missing out? How are you acting? Are you investing emotionally? Investing too conservatively and getting too much into fixed income and bonds, well, if rates do start to increase because of inflation... What are you going to do when your bond funds fall in value? Do you have too much in one stock? What's the risk there? Are you, if you have way too much in one stock to, for a company that you're working for, are you investing in any sort of negatively correlated assets to help hedge that? If that single stock risk exposure turns you into an Enron or a WorldCom situation, is that, what are you doing there? It, okay, so if you think about how a balanced portfolio would, would look, if you have a 60-40 
stock bond portfolio versus the S&P 500, which is 100% stocks. If, if it's a true stock market only correction when bonds tend to hold their value or go up a bit, if the stock market's down 20% with a recession for a short period of time, then a balanced portfolio is still going to be down 12% or so if bonds are the support, if they're the rudder, okay? So 60-40 is still going to... Asset allocation does not mean you don't have declines. It means you just buffer the decline. And then once the decline occurs, you can sell some bonds, rebalance your portfolio, buy stocks to get back to 60-40, and buy on the cheap, and you watch your stocks rise. That's the way it's supposed to work. But what if the market correction comes because of inflation and a rapid increase in interest rates and both bonds and stocks decline together? Maybe that's going to look more like a... The S&P is down 20%. Maybe that balanced portfolio is down like 15, 16%. Now let's look at just, okay, let's say it's 14%, right? Let's say you're, it's $2 million portfolio to retire. That $2 million portfolio, at age 65, you really don't want to be pulling more than, you know, 3.5% off your portfolio to be safe. So $2 million would get you about 70 grand a year pretty safely. But So you go into retirement, 65 years old, the market has a 20% correction. So your balanced portfolio is down 12%. Now, if you write down on a piece of paper, negative one, two, and then a percent sign, that doesn't look that intimidating. But let's calculate what it means to you on paper. If you had a $2 million statement last month, with, when you look at all your accounts together, it totals $2 million, and you have a 12% decline in stocks, and bonds, and bond, so a 12% over decline, overall decline in your portfolio, that's a $280,000 loss on paper. And that's just normal. That comes and goes every five to seven years. But it's a $280,000 loss on paper. Now, when you're working, you're feeding your 401k constantly. You're probably not paying attention to that number much. You're rarely logging in and even looking at your 401k. But once you retire, you're going to be looking more because it's got to last 35 years. So your $2 million statement last month now shows 1720000 Are you going to be able to sleep at night? Are you going to let it rebound? Or even better, are you going to be willing to rebalance or let your financial advisor rebalance by selling some bonds and buying some stocks on the cheap? Or are you going to be calling them freaking out saying, I need to get out now. This is different this time. It's all going to hell in a handbasket and it's never coming back. Are you going to freak out or what? You got to get to know your risk tolerance and you have to realize... Look, 70% of the time, the stock market's positive. But 30% of the time, it's negative. And with those odds, which are pretty darn good, we've had phenomenal returns throughout history. And I'm very positive we will throughout the next 20, 30, 40 years and long-term time horizons. There are some tough decades. But stocks will do really well. When they average 11% throughout most of history, when you look at that you know, longer-term 60, 70-year timeframes, very rarely does a stock market give you a 9 to 13% rate of return, anywhere close to that 11% average. It's usually much higher or lower. It's only been something like last time I looked at it, it was only like, when I looked at, I think the last time I did this, a show similar to this, I looked and it was like, in the last 70 years, it was only like eight times that the market returned between 9 and 13%. It was usually much more when the, when the market was positive. And the last time that I looked at the stock market and added up all of the negative numbers and divided it by the number of negative numbers to get the average return on a decline, it was negative 13%. So the stock market can be pretty volatile, guys. It's always been that way. It's just that you hear about it more because of news, 24-hour news sources like CNBC and Bloomberg. 
And now social media, where it's just in your face all the time. This is what happens in the stock market. This is what happens in the stock market. So there's, you, you got to get a nice balanced portfolio. And there's risk to investing too aggressively. And there's definitely risk to invest too conservatively, especially in just bond funds when interest rates go up. You have to invest with a balanced portfolio. Stocks, bonds, cash, commodities, real estate. It all has to be in there. But to a level where you know you're not going to panic if you have some sort of a decline. The reason why you need to look at the dollar value of a potential decline in the market on your portfolio is because most financial planning mistakes and investing mistakes are made when people react emotionally. They cash out when the fear level is the highest. And when you do that, you turn paper losses into real losses. And sometimes you create giant tax bills for no reason. If it's, in, if it's not in a retirement account. If you cashed out in March of 2009, your financial plan's probably been decimated because you missed out on the last 12-year run-up. Get this, since March of 2009, and I remember this very clearly, this was a very horrible time in my life. Horrible. It was a lot of stuff going on in my life in addition to a really tough stock market. And if you were a client of mine back then, back then we were called New Focus Financial Group. I did a client webinar telling people that this has gone way too far. These numbers are not correct. And I think that was March 12th. I think the mark market bottom turned out to be March 9th of 2009. The S&P 500 is up 600% since March of 2009. 600%. And we've had some large corrections since then, but it's up 600% if you invested your dividends since 2009. That's crazy. In October of 2007 to 2009, that was a big decline. If you had invested in October of 2007, or I think it was January of 2007 or so, you're still up over 253%. From that time, and you've gone through some wild rides, the market will treat you really well over time. It truly will. But you have to know what your risk tolerance is and how you're going to react when you do have those occasional declines. Then the next test that we have to do is test for taxes. Which accounts are we going to draw from first so that we can know how much cash needs to be in each account so that we can do test number four, which is three years worth of portfolio draws, not expenses, but draws in cash to make it through good economies and bad economies. And then do the final test, which is Monte Carlo simulation. I'm trying to get through some of the tests that you need to have done to make sure that your plan is ready if you're trying to go into retirement. And let's talk about test number three, which is taxes. We have to determine the best accounts to draw from in retirement. We have to do things like modeling IRA to Roth conversions from the date you retire to age 72. At 72, you're forced to pull money out of your retirement accounts. And when that happens, you can lose all control of your tax brackets, especially if you have really large IRAs and 401ks, 403bs and things like that. So there's a golden period from the date of retirement before age 72. So from date of retirement through age 71, let's just say that. You have to look at your situation at the end of each year and say, how much do I have left at this existing bracket? Okay, I'm always going to be at that bracket or higher. Much higher once I have to take required minimum distributions at age 72. So I might as well put some money from my IRA, shift it over, convert it to my Roth IRA, pay some taxes now so that that account grows tax-free forever. It'll reduce your required minimum distributions in the future. We've done whole shows on this. Really good idea. So when people retire, they have cash accounts. They have normal brokerage accounts that's in their name only, joint with their spouse or in a trust account. Then they have Roth accounts, which are totally tax-free. And then retirement accounts like 403Bs, 401Ks, and IRAs. And everybody's a little bit different. So you have to do 
some tax planning. You have to test your situation for taxes and IRA or Roth conversions and things like that. Because what you'll then determine is how much you're going to be drawing from each account. And the reason why you have to figure out your tax plan and your draw plan first is because you need three years worth of portfolio draws in cash in each type of account. So if you know you're going to be spending 50 grand a year out of your IRA, well, you need $150,000 a year, or I'm sorry, $150,000 just in cash. Because you can't afford to have the market decline, then you sell the stocks and bonds inside your IRA in order to, to pull it out to live. If you want to get through good economies and bad economies, you have to have the three years worth of portfolio draws in safe money. And that's test number four. Have you done this yet? And the reason why is because you look at stock market corrections and this is not new. I've been doing this on radio with Rob Black since pre-1999. I got into this business. I was majoring in engineering and math at Portland State and I fell in love with the financial planning world. It was just all numbers for me. It was like, okay, the stock market treats us so well over time, but we do have these these corrections that occur, but the returns after the corrections tend to be really high. So I quickly realized that as long as I don't sell after a correction and I instead buy, I will end up with a lot more money. And that's been true from every single correction. Just look at last March and April. That was the buying opportunity a decade. So what happens is, is that you, you, you can look at a portfolio and say, okay, how much am I going to draw? What's my portfolio draw rate? Not my expenses. Because you have your expenses, which include taxes and healthcare costs and lifestyle and everything else. But then you have some automatic income like social security, pension, sometimes some decent rental income and some dividends from your portfolio already. So the rest, you have to draw out of your portfolio. You have to sell every year in order to maintain that lifestyle. What you can't do is sell after the market declines. So as long as you have three years worth of portfolio draws in cash and a balanced portfolio that's investing in stocks that pay dividends, bonds that pay interest, and you, you're able to take that interest in those dividends when the market's down, that, that three years worth of portfolio draws in cash tends to last somewhere between five and seven years. And that's okay. That's great because usually a, a, you're, you're at the peak, like you know the peak of a stock market situation. You have a correction. Sometimes that takes a year or two to play out and it takes another couple of years to return back to normal where you can start selling for gains again. So every year we look at portfolios and we say, okay, if the stock market's up, let's sell enough of the gains to replenish the cash that we've spent. But if the market's down that year, we're just living off of our cash, our dividends and interest, our social security, our pensions and our rental income. When the stock market's positive, and we've used up some of our cash goal, our cash reserves of three years worth of portfolio draws, we're selling. We're taking some money off the table and we're moving on. So that's, that's a test that you have to do in your portfolio. Where's your cash out? Do you have three years worth of portfolio draws in cash? What is that number even? What's your safe money number? Your three years worth of portfolio draws, not expenses, but draws. Once you've programmed this all in, you can use Monte Carlo simulation, but I see a lot of advisors do this totally wrong. If you want a real Monte Carlo simulation where you take software and it looks through your situation, where you're taking your money from, what your actual asset allocation is, you got to make sure the inputs are actually correct before you do it. But what a Monte Carlo simulation does is it takes your scenario and it runs it through thousand different stock market situations, the order of stock market returns. If you've ever been to a live event 
that Rob and I do. What you'll see is an example of when somebody retired with a half a million dollars in the 70s and they drew 4% out a year, or uh, I'm sorry, they drew 5% out a year, but they increased it each year at 4% to keep up with inflation. Back then, inflation was higher and they actually ended up with millions of dollars. But we take that same exact situation and we flip the order of the stock market returns. We totally flip it. We just, instead of the last year stock market return coming in the last year, we have it come in the first year and we just reorder the stock market returns. That same portfolio was out of money after 32 years and they were broke before they were dead. The order stock market returns, when the good returns come, is very important. And if you have a plan of portfolio draws, dividend and interest, and what you're going to do when the stock market declines, and you are not forced to sell to put food on the table when the stock market declines, you'll be in great shape because the stock market will take care of you over time. It will make you wealthy, very, very wealthy over time if you don't buy out of greed and fear of missing out and you don't sell out of panic. And so test number five is Monte Carlo simulation. Test number six, which I don't have a lot of time to get into, is what happens if you or your spouse goes into a long-term care facility or needs help at home. That's something that our Medicare system does not really cover. So you have to have a solution for that and either pass it off with insurance or some other deal. And then we'll get more in later on about enjoying retirement and having that purpose. But thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. If you need help with your retirement plan, make sure you find us at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Have a great day, everyone. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.